So for the last several weeks, we've been unpacking what we believe is the New Year's revelation for our church, which we do every year. It's our, it's, it's our new, if we wanna call it something more simpler, it's our theme, okay? But it's our New Year's revelation for our church, you see, because a resolution you run after, a revelation, it comes from you. And so our New Year's revelation for this year, for 2022, is called Identity. Identity 2022, answering the questions of what does God see us doing? Who are we to become in him? And for the last several weeks, we've unpacked a few things. Let me rehash those very quickly. We, we answered the question, who are we? Who are we as a church? Who are we as a church? We unpacked, who are you? Who are you as a believer in Christ? That was probably one of my favorite messages, is who are you? And then last week, we talked about who we were. Because we'll never know where we're going unless we remember who we were. You see, I believe that it's important for us in, 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 the, in the idea of, of, of building legacy that we remember that, that it's, about, it's about honoring the past, yet building our future. Amen? Someone say that with me. Honor the past, build the future. Okay? That's what that's about. And so last week, we showed some awesome pictures of all of us in our younger days, Right? Larry Jurassic had an awesome looking mustache. That thing could kill. It was awesome. And uh, we just had a great, great time talking through all that business. But today I want to talk to you about a little bit more tender topic on understanding sonship. I have a plaque under my office. I, 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 not under my office. I have a plaque in my office underneath some uh, artwork there of a purple lion that someone painted. And that plaque is actually, there's a prophetic word on it for our church. And for, actually, it was for me, but I believe it was for our church as well. Here's what it said. It says, we are each so special and truly one of a kind. So, amen. It's hard to comprehend that there's only one like you. This is what this plaque said. God gave me the vision of what it means to have our identity, our identity rooted in him, the Lion of Judah. Free, strong, bold, confident, and powerful. When I look into the eyes of this lion, I see all of this. I see the gaze of God looking lovingly at his creation with so much pride and devotion. He loves us wherever we are at, no matter what we have done. All is forgiven in his eyes. We need to understand that and live in our true identity. We are so loved and cherished by our father. He will never leave us and he is always waiting and willing to support and encourage us. He is not condemning. He is wise and wants the best for us. He knows what we need and empowers us to live the life we are created for, all fellowship with him, our loving father. You are a child of God, amen? You're a child of God. I would even say this, that you might be a child of God, but I'm his favorite. No, really, you can say that too because we need to grow in confidence that we actually are that connected to God, where he looks at us at all of his favorites. <laughs> he looks at us all of his, uh, as his favorites. So full disclosure here, when I say son of God today, I'm meaning child of God, daughter, okay, all those things. I'm just gonna go off what the word of God says, which is son of God. So what does it mean to be a son? You know, some people have had some really awful experiences with their earthly father, amen? I mean, you can probably think back to yourself and go, yeah, I didn't have the greatest experience growing up. As a child with my dad, um, and I'm, 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 I feel very blessed that I didn't have that experience. I had a great relationship with my dad. Yeah, he made me mad, but he's my dad, right? 
But I, I, I looked up on, on fatherhood in America and what that looks like, and I found these literally breathtaking statistics over our country. This was taken in 2021. Here's what it says. I, I took it out of the, um, the National Fatherhood Initiative of America, okay? And this is what it says. There is a crisis in America, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. 18.3 million children, one in four, live without a biological step or adopt a father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of the societal ills facing America today. Research shows when a child is raised in a father-absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. You guys ready? There are four times greater risk of poverty when there's not some sort of father figure in their home. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. They're more likely to have a behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect. Two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison. They're two times more likely to suffer obesity, more likely to commit a crime, and two times more likely to drop out of high school. I would like to suggest to you this morning that the pandemic really isn't COVID, the pandemic is fatherlessness in America. I'm not degrading the other, but what I'm saying is, let's look at the real issues of what's happening. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, it reads this. I'm reading out of the New King James this morning. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. This is Paul talking to the Corinth church. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors, instructors in Christ, also teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. See, unfortunately, across our country and churches in America, all across, we have a lot of teachers who can teach us all the right things to do. We have a lot of teachers who can say the right thing and say this, say this, and, 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 but we don't have a lot of fathers where we can clearly say, come and follow me as I follow Christ. Come and, come, and, come, and, come and be with me as I follow Jesus the best that we can. You see, being a father is much more than just teaching how to be a good person, teaching about life. You see, being a father is all about leadership. Come on, somebody. See, being a father is about leadership, having your sons follow you to imitate you. It's all about leadership. It's all about transparency. Being a father is all about transparency. The goods and the bads and fessing up when you do something wrong. It's okay, dads. Let me just give you a breathing moment right now. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay. But the way that we're going to train our children, and now I'm, going, I'm talking more than your biological children. Let's, let's just switch gears here to the church and to the people within the, what God has given us. Right? The way we're going to train is if we learn how to be transparent and open and confess when we mess up, confess when things are wrong, confess when we did the wrong thing, and then try to heal and move on from that. That's what being a father looks like. I remember multiple times I had to tell both of my boys growing up, guys, I messed up. Guys, I messed up. And at that moment, we just think that we're the worst parent in the world, <laughs> you know? I yelled at them for the wrong thing. I had a wrong attitude towards my kids. All those things, they felt it. You know how your kids can feel when you're mad, you know? 
I had those things going on. And I remember going to Caleb and Samuel when they were younger going, guys, look, I made a mistake. There's nothing wrong, parents, mom and dad, to make mistakes as long as you're transparent with those mistakes. Being a father means creating an environment where faults can be made, yet grace and forgiveness is foundation. I love what Pastor Lupe said when he said being a father is like having a relationship with Jesus where we can run towards God, not from him. And it goes like that for us as earthly men and women of God. You see, children should be confident in running towards their father in times of need, times of forgiveness. And we as parents and we as fathers and mothers our desire should help them to discover their true foundational identity in Christ, amen? And honestly, I think probably everybody goes through what I'm about to say. I think a lot of us, when it comes to like sonship and understanding sonship, and I'm just, I'm just gonna, be, I'm gonna be wrapping up here real quick, but understanding sonship and what that really means, everybody goes through these kinds of seasons and times where we're ambitious and, and we try to become something to accomplish something and and to go out and earn these type of things. You see, the pandemic really is, when we talk about Christianity and church, it's, it's, it's more about trying to earn God's favor. I want you to know that you don't have to earn God's favor. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to earn that. He already loves you. But, you know, in, in, in our natural desires, we try to go and try to be ambitious, try to go and do this, try to earn, try to earn some kind of favor. Try to, and all those are still great. And I think those are fairly natural desires, but they can really be disruptive to discover who God made us to be. And we can accomplish, listen to me, we can accomplish a lot more when we live out of our identity as a child of God than when we try to earn our identity as a child of God. We can accomplish a lot more when we live from the place, understanding that I am a child of God. See, as I get older, I realize how much I need the Father. Come on, somebody. <laughs> as I get older, I realize how much more I need Jesus in my life, man. How much I need the Father. That my works, my efforts, my, achievement, my achievements mean nothing if not coming from the place of a son. If not coming from the place of a son. And honestly, I think the biggest probably life change for me is when I had both of my boys, Caleb and Samuel. I remember Caleb, Samuel had it great, okay? Because with your second one, it's like, you know, whatever, you're good. They just, they're along for the journey, right? <laughs> Caleb, <laughs> Caleb, I, I felt bad for Caleb. He got all the things that I did wrong um, as a dad. And, uh, but, but what happened was, is is when I had my kids and as we grew together and as we learned together and as we moved together, I begin to see them differently. I actually begin to see their perspective of how God would see us. And there's something about fatherhood when you, if you do have children this morning, there's something about fatherhood where you literally can see and feel how God would feel about us. I mean, for instance, if I ache for my kids when they're hurt, have you guys ever ached for your kids when they hurt? Right? If I'm super proud of my kids with their achievements and what, they do, what they've done, when I see them in their potential that they have and I encourage them in their potential, how much more does the Heavenly Father do that for you and I? How much more does God ache for us when we hurt? How much more does God see our potential and encourage us in that potential? The Bible puts it like this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, I love Jesus, he's so like, 
He's just so cool and suave, right, when he says things, especially when he's talking to Pharisees. He says, if you then, being evil, (laughs) if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? God is a good God, and he's a good Father, and all he wants to do is for us to live in the identity that we are his that we are his, that no matter what comes down the pike, whether it be good and encouraging or whether it be really bad and encouraging or whether it be really bad and someone's sharing these things about you, no matter what's coming down the pike, God wants you to know that you are his and he sees you as valuable and that he loves you with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. Everything about Jesus is totally infatuated with who you are. Everything about you. See, my kids, they don't have to try to convince me that I'm their dad. They don't have to try to convince me of that. They don't have to say, Dad, you know you're my dad, right? They don't have to try to convince me of that. They don't have to try to convince me to love them anymore. They don't have to try to work at trying to gain my approval for anything. Why? Because I love them because they're mine. I approve of them. I may not approve of what they're doing all the time, okay? But I approve of them because they're mine. I honor them. Why? Because they're mine. And let me just tell you something about God. God is pleased to call you his own. God loves the idea and the reality that he can say, you see that one over there? That's mine. That's mine. When Samuel was playing football in high school, people around me would go, man, number 62. I go. That's mine. So much that I made a big fat head of his head. And I brought it to the game. Let me tell you, Jesus has a big fat head of you. And he's going, on the sideline with you. He's going, go, you got it. You're mine. Yay, I'm proud of you. You got this. You got this. You can do it. You can handle that situation. You can handle the thing that you're going through. You can take care of the things. Why? Because I'm with you. I'm proud of you. I love you because you're mine. He's got that thing on display. He loves you. Romans chapter eight, verse 15 through 17. Artina, you can come back up, please, and play. Thank you. Romans chapter eight, verses 15 through 17 says this, for you, were not, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if the children, if we are children, we're heirs also. We're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him. See, when we understand that we are redeemed by him, come on somebody, when we're redeemed by him, that we are children of God, that we received him as our father and that he's received us as a son, his daughters, then we should understand that not only are we sons and daughters of God, but we are also co-heirs with him. We, have heir, we are an heir with 
him. Everything that he purchased on the cross, guess what? It's for you. It's for me. We don't have to try to earn that. It's a gift to you. Why? Because it belongs to him, so therefore it belongs to you. You're an heir with him. So let me ask this question. Doesn't it honor him more when his children no longer see themselves only as sinners saved by grace, but now as heirs of God? Doesn't it honor him more? See, isn't it greater? Isn't it a greater form of humility to believe him when he says we are precious in his sight when we don't feel very precious? See, that's the perspective of a son. We know we are his and how he feels and how he thinks about us. And we can be confident knowing that whatever he has, he has given to me because I'm an heir of Christ. There's nothing greater, there's no greater joy that I have as an earthly father than to see my sons be themselves. Just be themselves without trying to walk around and impress me or gain some kind of favor from me. I find no greater joy than my son Samuel going to the basketball game with the Hawaiian shirt open with the letter O around his stomach. Making the other guy miss his free throw because he's shaking it for everyone to see. True story. That just happened this weekend. You can see it online. There's no greater joy. And you know what? Some people would go, ooh, how embarrassing. I go, eh, that's my boy. That's my boy. Even when you feel embarrassed about what you've done, Jesus still says, that's my boy. Even when you think of yourself less than what you should, God looks at you and says, that's my kid. That's mine. God sees you the same way. Be you. He's pleased with you. I'm going to end it with this. We actually learn from our parents the best way. You ever notice that sometimes you act like your dad or your mom without trying to act like your dad or your mom? There's actually science behind that. I talked to my chiropractor and he said, they're actually doing a study right now on why some of the curvatures in the back and the hips and these kinds of things, why that is that way. And he told me that after uh, multiple years of studying, they're still trying to figure this out because they're not all the way sure, but they said after just multiple ways of studying, we found out that, that children actually mimic the way that their parents act. So when you watch me walk from behind, which I don't encourage any of you to do that, okay? There's no fries with that shake, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But when you watch me walk from behind, and if I were to have my dad next to me, you would see us walking like each other. When I'm driving in my car, not when it's minus 100 degrees outside, and I'm driving, I drive with one hand on my steering wheel with my elbow out the door, out the window. 
because that's how my dad did it. Just by nature, we follow after what's ahead of us. Honoring the past, building the future. That's our legacy. The Bible says that my sheep know my voice. They say, my sheep know my voice. And we instantly think, we just need to obey God. Here's the reality of it. I'm gonna use the terms that I know. If you've got sheep, you're gonna, you're gonna totally just like, oh, pastor, you don't know what you're talking about, okay? But when there's a baby sheep, bah, they don't know the shepherd's voice. They actually only recognize the shepherd's voice by following after the, the mama sheep, the you. And then when they follow the mama sheep that's in front of them, then they watch how mama sheep does it, and then they develop an ear for the voice of the shepherd. I believe that God, over the 70, 80 plus years here at this church, has developed such a legacy where we can hear the voice of God to follow him for the next thing. And I believe for your heart and for your life, the way that we can see Jesus is we just follow him. So we can actually see what the Father's doing. And we can hear what the Father's saying. The Bible says, I believe it's 1 John or John 4. He says, greater works will you do than I've done greater works will you do what I've done. You know how that's going to happen? That we realize that we're sons of God. That we're children of the Most High and that I'm a co-heir with Him. Amen? And to wrap it up, if you need biblical examples of sonship and what that looks like and how God sees you, how God calls each and every single one of you, despite the things that He's done, He's still got a plan and a purpose for your life. Remember, Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was a small person, but he was money hungry. The disciples, they all fell asleep while Jesus was praying. Paul was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming one. So if you ever think to yourself that you're not good enough and that you can't be used by God in mighty ways, think again. Think again. Think again, amen? So let's pray. I'm gonna invite the ministry team to come forward. Stand by the red banners, please. And when I release here today, if there's something that you need to partner with, that you need to pray with, a healing in your body, because we still believe in divine healing, amen? So if you need a healing in your body, 
I just hear the Holy Spirit saying that there's an elbow here that God wants to heal. I don't know what that is. I feel like it's tendonitis in your elbow somewhere in that area. God wants to heal you this morning. In Jesus' name. But what I want to pray for right now is that God just plant the seed, water the seed, mature the seed into full-blown sonship for your heart. So Holy Spirit, have your way. You're the, best, you're the best gardener in the world. Prune what needs to be pruned. Take out what needs to be taken out. But Father, replace. God, what needs to be replaced. Holy Spirit, have your way, Jesus. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Help us, Jesus, to understand and realize that we are sons and daughters of you, Father, that we'll walk from a place, an identity, of sonship. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name.